All right, so I'm not going to stall because I'm nervous on this breach this morning. I think I have good reason to be. It's, uh, you know, we're busy sharing around the whole story of building authentic church. And um, so I'm going to keep kicking the ball downfield with where I feel God is taking us as a congregation. And so if you are visiting us uh, for the first time or maybe a few times, We've had other folk who come in and share, and we just say when they come in, it's brick upon brick, line upon line, they're helping us build. But I want to stick around this thing of building authentic church. God is the master builder. He's doing what he needs to do in our midst. And so as I share today, I hope this will encourage us uh, going forward. And so what I am sensing is our focus will be for the next while will be to focus on um, the, the gifts of the ministry that God wants to um, activate and have activated in the life of the church. And so um, what that means for us is that it will bring significant change in the way that we deal with things. And so specifically to, to launch out, I'm going to say to you, when you go home, read Romans 12, and those of you making notes, and then 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 are going to be the scriptures that we'll focus on. But today... I'm focusing on two verses out of Romans 12, which I think are going to be quite important for us because um, what happens is if we're going to function in the gifts that God is calling us to operate in, it firstly starts out of a place of understanding that you need to be saved, all right? And then also as a people, um, we, we, we are to make sacrifices for the kingdom of God and then secondly, is that God wants us to change our minds, change our lifestyle, change um, and get rid of sin. And so I'm going to focus on those two things. So by the time we meet with the next time, which will be in two weeks when I'll preach on that, unless something happens with Kevin next week that he can't be here, then I'll carry on. Kevin Samuel from Dimble AM. But then what will happen is I'm going to carry on with this, and I'm going to start looking in the rest of Romans 12, and the Corinthian scriptures around the various gifts and what they mean to us. Is that all right? I'm just trying to lay something of a foundation for yourselves. Just make sure this doesn't fall. There we go. That's fine. That's perfect. No, this is perfect. Thanks. All right. So um, as, we, as we go into this, um, what is important for us as well is that we've had a lot of theological input into the life of the church. You know, what the Bible says about certain topics and uh, there's been a great input around church life and all those type of things. And we've seen some magnificent strides in the lives of people. But what I do feel is that God is also more and more wanting us to get to a place that is not just theoretical stuff that we're receiving, but actually that we need to understand that there's practical outworkings that are required of us as saints. And so I love using sport terminology. God has called you and I to run out onto the field and to play for him. And to serve his purposes. And so he wants you to use your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your resources for the furthering of his kingdom. You know, everything that you have currently in, in your hand is not of your own doing. It's as a result of the grace and the mercy and the kindness of God. And each one of us at different levels have been blessed in certain ways. And the question is really, how are we using that to serve his purposes? The church simply is not meant for spectators. 
You know, we love going to watch games. We love watching rugby and cricket and netball and hockey and all those kind of things. And we love to stand on the sidelines and shout and cheer on in that. But in the kingdom of God, God has taken you and I from our places of brokenness and he's brought us onto his playing field and he says, now I want you to run out and I want you to serve me. I want you to make your life count for me. Ooh. So in saying that, as I share with increased responsibility, or with increased knowledge, thank you guys, comes increased responsibility. And that is what we've got to carry out individually and also corporately. So as I mentioned, the first 11 chapters of Romans is all theoretical, theological input about Jesus, how he came to save the, the people from their sin. Remember Paul's writing to the church and how he's going to save them from their sin, um, how, they, how they need to deal with their sin, their religious acts. And also he deals with their simple depravity. Depravity basically speaking of their innate corruption of, of the human nature due to original sin. And so we need to understand the significance and the importance of Jesus in our lives. I mean, we're celebrating with two ladies this morning who gave their lives to Jesus two weeks ago. That means for them that Jesus has forgiven them of all of their sins. It doesn't necessarily mean that the consequences of sinful behavior in the past changes, but God takes us and he works us through a process and a journey. And, uh, and he glorifies himself because he takes us from glory to glory as he transforms us. And this is what Paul is writing to the Roman church about. And so with that, um, what we need to understand is in this journey is that we receive what Jesus did by faith. In other words, we believe Jesus. We believe God that by trusting him, we are saved, forgiven of our sin, and we live for him. And um, with that, Paul indicates then that we are freed from sin, we are freed from the law, and death through our union with Christ. And, uh, and that death, it doesn't mean the natural death will happen for all of us, but for those of us who are Christ followers, that means that by believing in Jesus, we will live for eternity with him. So our death as Christ followers is actually life for eternity. Okay. But now, we get to chapter 12, and this is where the practical things start to work out for us. So I'm going to ask if we can just put up Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And there he goes. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in some translations it says brothers and sisters, just for the ladies, but he actually brings you into that as well. In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So with that, as mentioned to you, the areas we're going to focus on this morning is the importance of offering ourselves as living sacrifices and then the changing of our minds and getting ourselves rid of our, our sin in that. And so when we look at the scripture, what it starts of is we need to reflect on what Jesus has done for us. You know, often, and I think it was the prayer, Monet, that you spoke of this morning, we run our lives and we go through the motions of just doing church, 
But how often have we actually sat down and just thought about what Jesus did on the cross for us and the price that he paid, the sacrifice that he made for us? And uh, I'm going to open that up a little bit later on for us. But as we, as we look at this and we think about what Jesus has done, for us actually as Christ followers, it should not be too much of an effort for us to actually run onto the playing field and do the things of God because actually what Jesus Christ did for us saved us from what we should have gone through. And so our hearts are filled with gratitude because of what he's done. And, and when we sing these songs, and, 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 and you know, we, we, we're living in an open cloud over our country at the moment. These songs um, are, are songs where we should be singing with such gratitude that we have the open cloud, but just, Lord, we stand in awe of what you've done. You're beautiful. You're amazing. You're magnificent. I'm not worthy of this. I don't deserve this. But yet in your kindness, your love, and your mercy, you forgive me. And, and we, we live in that space. So with that, we need to see that, that God desires us to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. And so there's a couple of thoughts around that. Firstly, when you're offering yourself as living sacrifices, you need to know that God desires obedience first rather than the sacrifice. I think when we understand that we're walking in obedience, it's so much easier than to walk into a place of sacrificial living and giving. And, uh, you know, in the Old Testament times, animals were used as sacrifices. Animals were used in the place of people. And, and that's how God chose it. They were killed, cut into pieces, placed on an altar, and that was the substitute for the sin of the people, the nation of Israel. And that was the foreshadow, actually, of what was to come because Jesus had already been put in place and God's perfect plan was that at some point Jesus would come and he would eventually become the sacrificial lamb for you and I. And, and this is quite significant because in, 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 the, in the Israelite days, every year they would need to come and bring their sacrifices. They would need to bring a goat or a lamb or a dove, depending on your wealth and those kind of things. And they would have to come and get forgiveness of sin. So imagine living your life in those days that you carried your guilt and your shame for a whole year. And then you would bring your sacrifices. Now, with what Jesus has done for you and I, right now, if you had a powwow with your wife, you lost anyway because you never win a battle with your wife on the way to church. But if you've had a powwow with her, hey, Lord, I'm sorry. I was out of line. Please, Jesus, forgive me immediately. We don't have to wait for another year. This is the beauty of what God has done through the sacrifice that Jesus did. And so what is important here is that um, while the sacrifice was important, um, God was more interested in the condition of the heart of those that brought the sacrifices. And so I want to show you 1 Samuel 15, 22, please. It says, but Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. And so as I looked at this scripture, you know, I thought about this, and I thought, sure, okay, what, is, what does this mean for us? And I felt immediately the Lord give me three scenarios in the Bible. 
Do you guys remember the story of Cain and Abel? All right? The one party, um, Cain, not the alcohol Cain. This is the name of the guy called Cain. All right? Just want to settle that thing there. Cain brought an offering to the Lord. Right? He was working in the land and working with animals. And what did he do? He brought vegetables to God. Abel, on the other hand, brought a sacrifice of meat. God looked on Cain and said, this offering that you've brought is not cool. Abel, he was pleased with. Cain got upset with God, and God said to him, if you just do the right thing, then I will be pleased with you, and there will be favor that you would find. And so the point is this. It was two individuals that came to give something to God, but they came giving something. The one's heart condition wasn't right. The other's was. And he came with a right heart condition, walking in obedience to, to give a sacrifice to God and to please him. The second scenario is Abraham and Isaac. Now, those of you who are moms and dads, imagine if God came to you and said to you, I want you to go and sacrifice your little one. I know some of you, you want to because they do get your buttons going in the bit. Hey, Tempakazi. <laughs> But Abraham and Sarah, at the age of 100, had their little one. Ten years prior to that, God gave them the word that they would have children. They would have a son. But in between that time, things were taking a little bit of time. So what did they do? They tried to manufacture their own story. And he was given the concubine, and a little one came out of that. And God wasn't pleased with that. But the point is here, is at the right time, God allowed Abraham and Sarah to have their own son. Now, imagine a few years later, God says to Abraham, now I want you to take your son, and I want you to take him up a mountain that I show you, and I want you to go and sacrifice him. Immediately, what was God doing? Putting Abraham to the test. You see, the very thing that Abraham and Sarah desired the most, God was going to test him and to see, would he be willing to lay down the love of his son, the first love of his son, to honor and do what God required of him. And we know the story from there onwards that Abraham took Isaac up the mountain, tied him up, put him on the altar, and just before he was about to put the knife in him, God said to him, stop, I can see now that you mean business with me. And actually, that what I'm willing to ask of you, you are prepared to lay down your son for what I need of you. And, and I think that's quite challenging for us because for many of us, I've got to ask the question is, what is it that we will put before the Lord? And are we willing to make certain sacrifices in our lives so that we can really power on in the things of God? Wonderful story and a good test. For some of us, God could bring you to a place today where he could say to you, I need you to lay certain things down so that you can walk out your call for me properly. Let's see what God does with that. And then thirdly is the story of Jesus. And this for me is a very, very powerful piece. Uh, in Hebrews 3, verses 1 to 2, let's see what this says here. It says, Therefore, holy brothers, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. He was faithful, say faithful, to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. 
And this for me is quite a, a powerful piece because actually this is all about Jesus. Our lives need to be centered on him. And Jesus is the perfect example of what it means to lay your life down and to make a sacrifice. You know, for many of us sitting here today, we are chasing success. What is success? Success is relative. Success is, I got my child to pass uh, junior school to go to high school. That's success. Success is riding a race and finishing it. You are successful in finishing the race. Success could be climbing the business ladder and getting to a certain point. You were successful. But you know, at the end of the day, the Bible speaks here about Jesus being faithful. And I believe faithfulness outweighs success. Because in him being faithful, he was successful in the call that God had on his life. And so God is calling you and I as Christ followers to, to be faithful in what he's asking of us, to be faithful in obedience, to be faithful in laying down our lives. Because you see, you and I were bought at a price. Jesus paid a massive price for us. We could never compare, we could never pay him back. But what he does want is for us to get to a place of saying, Jesus, I need to be sold out for you. I need to serve your purposes, and I need to make my life count for you. That is what he wants faithfulness, obedience, and out of that place will come the sacrifices that will honor and please him. So offering ourselves as living sacrifices, what does that mean for us this morning? It means that we come with the right heart. You see, if we don't get taught these things, if we don't understand these things, then we come and we go through the motions of doing church on a Sunday morning, and we don't want to do that. Or when we come together on a Wednesday, we, we need to be in a space where we say, Lord, I want to stand before you today and say, here I am. Use me. But we've got to come with the right heart. And you know what? As you sit here, God knows my heart, and he knows exactly what's going on in your heart. Nothing is hidden from him. You can go and read that in Hebrews. It'll tell you that. Nothing is hidden from the Lord. We can come here this morning, tick the box, and actually we could find ourselves in a very situ a similar situation with Cain because we come with our bare minimum to give God when, in fact, He's asking you to come sold out for him, for his purposes. And what would that look like? And then we'll touch on a few things there. All right. Is this making sense to you guys? Okay. So God wants us to come with a right heart. He wants us to come with humility. He wants us to come with repentance. That's why I loved what Mornay in our prayer meeting shared. You know, he said, Lord, I need to repent. Actually, as a church, we need more and more of people coming up and saying, man, I need to repent of the following. And not be ashamed to do this because that would be a sacrifice because you actually are dying to yourself and saying, you know what, I might embarrass myself here, but God's not into you embarrassing yourself. It's actually laying your life down and saying, God, I do not want to be held by the things that hold me in captivity. And that in particular would be sin issues and we want to live according to his standards. So let's see what Romans 6.13 says. It says, do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. And uh, that is a very, very, very powerful statement. We are to bring our bodies, our lives 
everything that we have. You know, often when people get water baptized, the one thing that we fail to do is to ask them to leave their wallets, their keys, and their cell phones in their pockets so that when they go under the water, it all goes with them. Because the problem is we leave that on the side, and then what happens is they come out, and then we live life separate from, from those things. God wants everything. And that's his, his heart's desire as we, as we journey this side of eternity. And, uh, and then we need to put ourselves uh, in a space that we could be used for the service of God. And let me say to you this morning, that's why the 412 conference coming up becomes very important for us. Church, who will stick their hand up and say, yes, Lord, I will go and serve. I will help in the children's church. Yes, Lord, they need car guards. Here's my hand, Lord. Oh, God, I've got my house. You know what? We've got a spare bed. I'm happy to sleep on the couch. Let's get somebody from Holland to come and stay in my home, and I'll feed them, and I'll care for them for that week. Lord, here I am. Use me. That's your opportunity. Because often our prayer is, God, use me. But then we never make ourselves available with things like this. And I want to challenge us as a people this morning. Say, God, I don't want to always be in a space that I'm receiving. I want to be in a space that I'm giving and I'm going for the purposes um, of your kingdom. I'm hoping that is making sense to all of you. Let's see what 1 Peter 2 verses 5 says. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ. So what does that mean? As you sit here this morning, uh, family, friends, and some of you still need to make a decision to follow Jesus, you need to know that God is busy building his house. So many of us are added as living stones. We're not a dead sacrifice. We're not a bookie that gets killed and his throat gets cut. What God does is he brings you in and he says, now I'm going to give you life because of faith in Jesus. Danica, you've got a future here. You've got a future in God. And he says, I'm going to use your life, and I'm going to let you serve my purposes as a living stone. And you're not going to only have your life transformed, but God's going to work through you to transform those that are here and wherever your areas of influence are. That's how he builds his church. And it's an incredible thing. So when we come to Jesus, you need to know that you don't come just to receive. God brings you into a place and immediately says, I'm going to put you to work so that my kingdom can advance while he transforms and changes you and I. And in fact, when I started that whole teaching around building authentic church, Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, where it says, Jesus says, now go and disciple all nations. Right now, you and your sister can be used by God to bring others into the kingdom as you position them. And that's what we should be doing. We need to constantly be serving his purposes and doing the things that God has called us to. When we give ourselves, it involves the heart, the mind, and the will. It's every aspect of our being. You know, years ago, I used to play cricket. And I used to almost play cricket seven days a week. I used to coach. I used to sit up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I would prepare teams, and this oak needs to get dropped, and this guy, yeah, he's a good bowler, we're playing these oaks, and, and you like cleverly work all this stuff out. And that's how involved and how passionate I was. And I feel like God's wanting to say to some of us here, you're so passionate about certain areas of your life, but imagine if you took that passion and you just shifted it and you changed it back to say, Lord, 
that passion that I have for that sphere of my life, I want to make sure that I can shift it so that my passion becomes for the things of you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. There's a shifting that God wants to bring in our lives. So with that, we surrender our rights. We surrender our will to Jesus. What does that look like as living stones as well? When we give of ourselves and we, and we look at offering spiritual sacrifices that are pleasing to God, when we ask people to come and stand up in the front and worship you, we're not doing it because we want to feel good about ourselves. The, the anointing is as powerful in the front as it is at the back. But what are we doing? We want to break you from a space of living where you get comfortable at the back of the, um, of, of, of the hall, maybe by chairs that, that block you. We want you to get into a space that you can be free. I joke often about, about Roger dancing. But, I mean, this man, if you come to our prayer meeting, he gets on his knees. And, and I had somebody say to me, I just love the passion of the way that Roger um, just loves the Lord. And we want to be expressive here. It doesn't mean because you're dancing and going absolutely wild up front here that we think, oh, there's the next full-time person coming on board. No, no, no. Actually, Lord, we just love you. We just want to love you. And I'm not embarrassed to dance and wiggle my knee because, you know, how many of us, we tap in the car when we're driving and we sing to the radio and so on. And, um, you know, how many of us, even at home, possibly will sort of be more undignified than this? Uh, David danced in his undies. Now, we won't go down there now. Uh, we certainly won't do that here. But the point is this. Are we willing to, to really let ourselves go to love on God? You know, when people walk through these doors, I stand and I watch. There's something, when people walk through, you'll feel the love. You'll feel the excitement. You'll feel there's just something electric in the air, isn't it? But let's not lose that when we come to a place where we start to worship in music or we do other parts of our meeting. We want that to overflow and be a people that will be expressive in those areas. Extravagant worship. Be a people that are willing to pray. You know what? For me, you don't need to be a fancy schmancy prayer. You know, sometimes a simple prayer, Yere wants a swirlif for you. Danke for vandag. Lord, we love you. You're amazing. We just worship you. And we need to be a people that need to be excited about Jesus. I, I believe God wants to break that open over us as a church, that we are expressive in worship, expressive in prayer. As we spend time reading God's word, God will, 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 will do something there. There's a sacrifice. You need to make time. Again, how often are we caught up? I've got to rush out to work. I'm prepared to go and do sports. I will watch Netflix. I will watch DSTV. But I haven't made time to read my Bible. Let me tell you something why reading your Bible is important. If I had to ask you right now, Matt, what did you eat last week, Monday? Yeah. You can't remember. Do you know what you ate last week, Tuesday? How about Thursday? Okay. Putting him on the spot there. That's right. Would you agree with me, though? You ate most of last week, virtually every day, anything from two to three meals. And if you're as big as I am, there's always snacks in between. All right? The point is this. Without those meals, you wouldn't be sitting here today. The same is with the Word of God. When we eat from the Word of God and we spend time in the Word of God, we are feeding our souls. We are feeding our spirit, our minds. You need to understand it's important to get into the Word of God. And we need to make time. 
So some of us need to make sacrifices and get rid of things that are robbing us of time with God. Is that all right? And then from that place, we live out the Bible values as we see in the Word of God. A sacrifice that doesn't cost you anything is no sacrifice at all. Sadly, today, we do. We live in a very consumeristic world, and we want a Christianity that is convenient. That's not what God has called us to. In fact, in today's day and age, it's becoming harder and harder to live out our Christian values because there's so much vying for our attention. You know, for me, I want to share two stories. I've been to Madagascar 10 times, and when we go there, it takes you to do 120 kilometers or 140 kilometers, anything from six hours, because the roads are so winding. We ride in the taxis that they've got there. And their taxis aren't lacquer like ours. They don't even have brakes in some cases. And their wheels are smooth. And when they drive downhill, what they do is they take the taxi out of gear so that they can save fuel, and this thing whacks it down, and then you've got this very tight corner coming. That's what, we, that's what we're going, going into. But the interesting thing is, you know, when we go to meetings, people will travel 50 k's and further to just come and be a part of a Sunday meeting every Sunday. They're willing to pay a price. There's a couple in Namibia, um, Paul and Nani. They are part of Kirtman's Whip. I want to honor them publicly today because I've been to Kirtman's Whip a few times. They travel 180 kilometers one way to come to church every Sunday. And they are there faithfully. He's actually an elder in the life of the church. And he serves as an elder. He comes in earlier on the weekend and you help them lead and do what they need to do there. What I'm saying to us as a church, not putting heavy on us, but what I am asking is, is it really too much to ask us to say, Lord, in the light of all that you've done, surely we can do better and position ourselves to serve you well. That's how God works with us. And so... God wants your gifts, your talents, your abilities, and your resources to be used from. And here is where it becomes interesting on the practical side. Giving financially. You know, our tithes, God gives you everything. Serve Him well with your finances. Make a decision. If you're battling with your budget, come and chat to the leaders. We'll sit and we'll help you. There's not law. You're not under compulsion. The Bible says do not give under pressure or compulsion. So I'm not placing a heavy on people. But what I am saying is where people have said, I can't afford to give. Can I say to you, you cannot afford not to. Because your faith is in God, not in your finances or your company or your business that you work for. All right, we serve his purposes with that. Opening your home, I've spoken of that. Taking leave to go to the nations. How many of us here would be willing to travel into the nations? I want to say to you, church, we do not just want to be a receiving church. We want to be a going church. You don't have to go with me. There will be teams going all the time. And if you say, I've never been to the nations, Timbukazi, nations are calling for you. The nations are calling for you. Get your passport ready and put money aside. You need to go into the nations. And, and church, last, uh, the, on Friday night, we had some of the guys at Gunter's home for his dad's uh, birthday. And uh, his brother-in-law and sister, they just recently went to Holland, to Switzerland, and I think they were at the conference as well. Eh? Not, not the conference, just there. And they went as a church, um, and as a group, just to go and be a part of what God was doing there. On Friday night, funny enough, at, at his home, uh, with his dad's birthday, that we ended up ministering to a, a lady there, praying for her. So, so the point is this. 
Will you make yourself available to go and be a part of the bigger picture that God is calling you and I to? And then with that, um, let's see, would you be willing to go and visit other Joshian congregations? We do it as com groups. Uh, would you be willing to serve in other parts of, of the greater picture? And even here, for some of us, we need to realize that God didn't bring you just to receive from everybody else. He wants you to serve. And I want to honor the guys who come and set up the sound. Uh, every Sunday they're here serving, and it's cold in the winter. In the summers, it's much easier. People, the comm groups that are serving at the back, man, you know what? We do it with the right heart. God, we are preparing the house that when our visitors walk through here, that they would experience and see Jesus. And we do this because we want to please Jesus at the end of the day. And when we wrap up and we clean up and we leave the place in a, in a manner that is acceptable to the business that currently runs here, we honor the Lord and we're pleasing Him. Nothing is too much for us to give ourselves to the things of God like this. And I believe God wants to break that thing over us. And then we are often willing to give ourselves to the things that are important to us. Make the shift today and say, Lord, I want to lay my life down for you. And then my last point that I want to close off with. Are you guys all right? Is this helpful? Okay. Change your mind and live God's way. That's what Scripture teaches us in Romans 12, verses 2. It says, do not conform anymore to the ways of the world. Change your mind. You see, repentance is about changing your mind. Lord, I'm, I'm in porn. Jesus confronts me. What you're doing is not cool, and you need to change what you're doing. How does it start? I've got to change my mind. I've got to renew my mind. Change my thoughts. And what does he do? He says, turn your back on sin and walk for me and serve my purposes and do the right stuff, that which we see in, in the Bible. So let's look at it. For many of us sitting here today, and this is, I feel quite strongly, for some of us, we're like the proverbial frog in the pot that's busy cooking very slowly. And what's happening is we don't even realize some of the stuff that we're involved in. Let me tell you something. When you get on fire for Jesus, and I was so excited when I saw Danica this morning coming in, you could see there's life. And that's what should be happening for every one of us. When we are entertaining sin and we are involved in sin, there cannot be holiness and sin dwelling together. God wants us to deal with this stuff. And, and we are here to help you. We will love you. We will serve you. We will walk with you. The proverbial mile plus one to help you fulfill the purposes that God has for your life and to help you overcome the challenges that you're facing. Because every single one of us has faced a different life story here. But it's important that we teach on this. And we can touch on things that can put me in jail. But the reality is we've got to preach the word of God. Because that's our constitution. And we want to make sure that people don't go to hell. We want to open that up. We want people to hear the word of God so they can respond to Jesus and be saved. You need to know, as, as a Christ follower, you become a new creation. And we are to rid ourselves of corrupt behavior, our evil desires. And, and so many of us are still walking in this stuff. And God wants to set you free. So with that... You need to know that as we journey together, as the Word of God is preached, as we sit under the Word, as we gather, God, by His Holy Spirit, starts to change us and transform us. And, um, and what will happen is He'll bring us to a place where we realize we need to repent of certain things. 
And as you're sitting here right now, God will bring those things to mind, what you need to adjust, where you need to make shifts. And then most importantly, we choose to obey him. You're not responding to me. I'm in the boat with every single one of you. I'm not, I'm not speaking down to you. I'm not speaking over you. I'm speaking to myself this morning as well because I know my frailties and my weaknesses. So it's interesting. The word uh, renewed in Greek is, and I'm not a Greek scholar, theologian, etc., so excuse me if I pronounce it wrong. It's anoneo, which means to be renovated by an inward reformation. Let me say to you, when we, when we get renewed and we renew our mind, it's something that the Holy Spirit does, and He changes us from within. You know, for me, I'm sorry, for those of us who are Afrikaans, I am Afrikaans. So when I speak now, I'm speaking from a place where I'm not uh, knocking anybody here. But you know, often in the Afrikaans community, when people make a commitment to follow Jesus, and this is what I've experienced, particularly in the light of this movement, when we get to a place where we've got to get people water baptized, that's often where they sit fuss. For me, a water baptism and a genuine water baptism comes from a place when I know that somebody has given their lives to Jesus. And then what happens is there's no resistance because it's the renewed transformation of a changed heart inside that says, I identify with Jesus. I need to be water baptized. That's the type of thing that happens. Our hearts and our minds get changed, and it's easy to do the things that God called us to. Let me say to you, if you're not willing to get water baptized, it's the most basic act of obedience, why would you do anything else? So, we are then called to live our lives knowing that the changes have been made. So now, Paul writes to the church, and now I'm going to hit something here, and I want to ask you to put up Romans 1. Verses 24 to 32. Watch this. Now, Paul writes to the church, and it's interesting that I've gone from chapter 12 back into chapter 1, because Paul, what he's doing is he deals with the brokenness of the church, and then he gets to chapter 12, and he says, now I need you to start practically outworking your journey with God. Number one, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Number two, get rid of your sin. All right, look at this. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves a due penalty for their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Let the word of God 
be the thing that challenges our hearts. This morning, we need to come to a place and ask ourselves, what have we allowed, what have we endorsed, what are we accepting, and what are we practicing? And we need to make adjustments. If we are going to serve the purposes of God, we need to make the adjustments that God is calling us to. And if you're sitting here this morning and you go, uh-oh, this is in my face stuff today, I want to say to you, we love you. This is not a condemnation. We love you. We want to help you. We want to bring you to a place. Let the final authority be the authority that is God's word that will bring you and I to a place of saying, God, I have given myself to stuff that has totally, totally set itself up against you. I've approved of this stuff. I've agreed to this stuff. And I know what your word says. But you know what? I believe God in his kindness is bringing you and I to a place today. We're saying, today, draw the line in the sand and make the changes and adjustments. Let me say to you, transformation and making that call for Paul in the Bible became an immediate transformation and a change. For some of us, it will be a progressive thing. That's why, as we sit under the Word of God and we preach into these things and we talk, what happens is God starts to cleanse us and takes us from glory to glory. And that's why we need to daily renew our minds and say, Lord, today we stand on your truth. Today we want to walk in your ways. Today I renounce the sin. I no longer want to do it. Lord, I need your power and I need your authority to live the life that you have called me to do. Every time we come together, we worship in song, preach, sit under apostolic teaching, come together as saints, God by his spirit will start to transform you and make you more and more like Jesus. I want to say to you, if you're not being changed when you come to Christ, you need to maybe go before the Lord and say, Lord, I need a deeper work in my heart and life here today because I want to be like Jesus. And I want to know that as I walk out my journey, as I walk out my salvation, I walk it out with fear and trembling because I want to hear one day those wonderful words saying, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want anything to hinder me, making it impossible for me to get into heaven one day. So I land with that this morning. For some of us sitting here this morning, there's two things that need to happen. Some of us need to say, you know what, I've not been sold out for Jesus. And let me tell you, for me, as, as somebody who's leading, I'm involved in business as well. I always try to understand what does it mean for me to live my life this side of eternity? being sold out for Jesus. Because in the Bible, I see the guys doing life, doing business, and all those kind of things. It's just an incredible love for God, a love for His people. For me, it's a love for the Lord. It's a love for the local church. I love, I love you guys. You know, it's, it's just the, the, the way that God works. I don't understand it. If I wasn't a Christ follower, you would mean nothing to me. But because I am a Christ follower, and because of what God has done in my life, I, I look at you as family, and I realize this is a privilege to journey with you. That can only come, friends, as, as a result of the work of the Holy Spirit. And so for me, to do this is not a sacrifice anymore. Often it comes as an expense to myself and to my wife. We, we do this because we're willing, not because we have to. And so we, we, we want to say to you, we're asking you to, to lay down your lives with us. Lay down your lives with Andrew and Ems. And you see the work and the fruit of the work in Josh Jenny. 
that you will serve the purposes of God. And for some of you, maybe this morning, you, you need to say, I need to lay down my life properly. When we were at orientation on Wednesday night, I sent a message to Andrew Selly because we had the final session. Phil was there. And I sent him a message. I said, sure, Andrew, I just want to honor you in Ems. This stuff is so amazing. I said, you know, actually, I don't feel like I've died enough to myself. I, I, I want to serve Jesus flat out. The second thing that we need to do is, for some of us, we need to repent of what we've given ourselves to. 